scripture lesson this morning is taken from the gospel according to Luke chapter 2 verses 1 to 20. Luke chapter 2 verses 1 to 20. And let me read the best. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria. And everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph also went out from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem, the town of David, because it belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in clothes and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angels said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today, in the town of David, a Saviour has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in clothes and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of heavenly hosts appear with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace to those on whom His favour rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed by what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. This is the word of the Lord. And now we invite Brother Wan Chi Ming for the sermon 6G Gospel for a 5G World. Thank you, Reverend Gabriel. Good morning, brothers and sisters in Christ. Let us pray. Father, we ask that you will speak to us through your word. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be a fragrant offering of worship, holy and acceptable when lifted up to you. Make them be for our good and to your glory. In Jesus' name, Amen. Brothers and sisters, how many of us present here, with the exception of those under the age of five, have never owned a mobile phone? Anyone? Over the past 40 years, we have progressively moved and developed more and more sophisticated cellular systems from 1G to 5G mobile phones. 5G 
wireless internet technology was first introduced to the world in 2020 and is gradually being introduced across Malaysia today. 5G significantly faster data rates, higher con connection density and much lower latency, allowing connections for at least 100 billion devices. Similarly, Scripture contains a progressive revelation about God and His ways. And I propose to illustrate the grand narrative of the Bible from cover to cover, from creation to new creation, using this model. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. In the sixth day, He created man and woman, who were made in God's image. And God pronounced that His creation was very good. The man and the woman were placed in the Garden of Eden, and they were told to be fruitful and multiply, to fill the earth and subdue it. There they walked in fellowship with God. They were also given the mandate to name all the animals and for food they could eat of any fruit-bearing tree in the garden except one. There were two trees in the centre of that garden, the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Only one was forbidden. Adam and Eve rebelled against God's command and ate from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. They chose life without the blessing and protection of God, settling instead for a fig-leaf style of living and thereby incurring guilt. And as a result, sin entered into human nature estrangement from God and disharmony with one another resulted and death ensued. God expelled the guilty pair from the garden, depriving them of access to the tree of life so that they would not remain in their fallen sinful state forever. And God promised that a seed of the woman would one day come who would crush Satan's head, but Satan would in turn strike his heel. The sins of man became worse and worse over time, and God sent a great flood across the earth. Only Noah's family of eight was preserved. Generations of death, dispersion and despair followed. Until God's call of Abraham, whose descendants went down to Egypt, stayed for 400 years, after which they were led out 
in the exodus from Egypt into the promised land. There, the nation of Israel was established. But it was a failed kingdom and monarchy. And after many years, they were finally exiled to Babylon, where again they spent decades. Upon their return to exile to Judea, the people had great expectations of a renewed nation, that God would bring about a new Israel, united under a messianic king, a Davidic descendant who would deliver Israel out of the hands of her overlords. And so we come to the end of the Old or the First Testament and the beginning of the New Testament with the entire people of God eagerly awaiting the arrival of this promised one who would be their saviour and deliverer. And the Gospels opened with God incarnate as Jesus of Nazareth, proclaiming a gospel of salvation and fleshed through his life, death, burial, resurrection and ascension, and experienced through five geographical locations. Gethsemane, we see Christ in the garden asking that God would turn away and not give him to drink that cup of wrath. So we see here a picture of God in man, in pain as man. And then we see his arrest and his unfair judgment before Pilate at the judgment seat called Gabbatha, where we see God under judgment from man. And then Golgotha, where God suffers for the sins of man. He died and was buried in the garden tomb. And here we see a picture of God dying in place of man. But finally, we see God in Galilee as a picture of God triumphant as the resurrection, as the resurrected God-man. And he gives the great commission to his disciples to go and tell of the good news. And our passage this morning tells us of the fulfillment of the Old Testament prophecies. At the appropriate moment, the transcendent God steps into time and space, into our flesh. The Father sent His Son into the world to be with us in every aspect of our lives. And He did this in answer to the yearning and hope of His people, who had eagerly waited hundreds of years for the promised seed of the woman, the son of David, who would save His people, deliver them from bondage, and to return them ultimately from exile once again into his land, into his favour, into his presence, and inheriting his peace. And our passage this morning tells us that Jesus was born in Bethlehem, 
during the time of Caesar Augustus, who reigned as the first emperor of the Roman Empire from 31 BC to 14 AD. His given name was Octavius, but he changed it to Augustus, which means the exalted one. When he became the supreme ruler over the Roman Empire after nearly 20 years of civil war, and he was known as the one who established peace across the Roman Empire, which is the Pax Romana, through brute military conquest. His word was law across the Mediterranean basin. And so, when he declared a census, every person had to obey. So, Joseph was of the line of David, so he had to leave Nazareth and return to his ancestral home of Bethlehem. Mary was his betrothed and went with him as she was pregnant. Brothers and sisters, you all know Christmas cards and online greetings, right? Okay. How many of you think that Jesus was born in a stable in the middle of winter? No one? How many of you think he was born in a cave, visited by three wise men, guided by a star? Okay, right? So how many of you think that the people in Bethlehem were not hospitable and uncaring to Mary and Joseph? Okay? Right? Okay, right. So, this is a first century Israelite house. Okay? So, at night, the animals are led into the house. The people, human, uh, most of the people will go up on the first floor and go to sleep there. Okay? So, the kitchen and the stables are all down here. So, they are all enclosed within that. Okay? So, what happened was, Arriving at Bethlehem, there was no space for them to stay in the main guest room. So they had to stay here, in the stables, where Mary gave birth to Jesus, her firstborn son. And so it was that God used a despotic ruler's decree, which resulted in Joseph and Mary making the 80-mile journey from their home in Nazareth to Bethlehem right at the time when Mary would give birth to Jesus. She wrapped him in strips of cloth and laid him in a feeding trough, using it as a cradle. Oops. Okay. So verse 8 tells us, that in that region there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. As Bethlehem was only eight kilometers away from Jerusalem, the flocks of goats and sheep could well have belonged to the priests 
of the Jerusalem Temple, who ran a lucrative business supplying and selling the animals offered for sacrifices in the temple. Verses 9 to 14 then tells of the glorious sight which was given to the lowly shepherds, an angel assuring the frightened shepherds to fear not and proclaiming the good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Saviour, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. The angel's message to the shepherds proclaimed that the long wait was finally over and God's Messiah has come. But what would he look like? The ancient world's stereotype of conquering heroes were Greek mythological creatures like Pericles, Achilles, Thor, Hercules, Old Testament heroes, Joshua, David. And what about us? Our modern-day fascination with superheroes, Superman, Batman, Black Panther, Wonder Woman. But in reality, God's greatest champion looked nothing like the above characters. He would be a suffering servant who accomplished his salvific work in the midst of rejection and abuse. The angel's signs for the Saviour would be one, a baby, two, wrapped in swaddling cloths, and three, lying in a manger. And with this message, the heavenly hosts appeared to give God their highest praise. Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. The angel's message debunked the fallacy that Caesar was the high and exalted one, the peace giver of the world. No, God was. He is Lord over the highest heavens and of all things on earth. He is the Prince of Peace, not Caesar. And similarly, the census was a head count of the people within the empire for the purposes of tax. And who do you think are the best in counting animals under their care? Shepherds. Who in the history of Israel are shepherds of renown? Moses. King David. So God identifies himself eight times in the prophet Isaiah as Israel's shepherd. And we are all familiar with David's Psalm 23, where he calls the Lord his shepherd. And what about Jesus? He is the good shepherd 
the great shepherd of the sheep, but he is also the Lamb of God who has come to take away the sins of the world. So it isn't surprising that the heavenly messengers were first sent to shepherds out in the fields. Verses 15 to 20 then goes on to tell us that when the angelic visitors departed, the shepherds hurriedly went into Bethlehem to search for the baby. And they found him, as the angel had told them, lying in a manger, wrapped with strips of cloth with his mother and father. And they told everyone they met about their encounter with the angels and everyone who heard wondered at what the shepherd told them. But I wonder, did they go to check it out for themselves? Would we have if we had been in their shoes? After all, it was late at night, cold. Would we have cared? Would we have believed that God's Saviour would come in this manner? The shepherds heard the good news of God. They went to confirm the validity of the angelic message and experienced the sight of the Holy One, born to be the Saviour of the world. They believed and went out telling everyone they met the good news of great joy to all the peoples of the earth, that God's peace was has been bestowed upon his people and his favour now rests upon them through the gift of his Son, our Saviour, Christ Jesus the Lord. And similarly, for those of you who have completed the 32 weeks of the disciple course this morning, you have heard the good news through your study of the Old and New Testaments. You have experienced a living relationship with the resurrected and glorified Christ. And now you will go forth in the imitation of Christ to bear fruit of the Spirit you have now united your life to at home, work and community. This truth which you have now come to believe and are committed to uphold. And all of us, like the shepherds at Bethlehem that night, have been called forth to go out rejoicing and praising God for this gospel which we have been given. But don't let's just stop here. The message is more than the 5G gospel that all of us are so comfortable with. We all know the essence of the law is loving the Lord our God with all our heart, our mind, our soul and our strength and to love our neighbour as ourselves. We should love one another as Jesus has loved us do to one another as we would wish others to do to us. 
all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me, Jesus. As you receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, my power dwells in you now. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. And remember, I am with you always to the end of the age. The next event is not us departing earth for heaven to join the heavenly choir. And let us not cease listening to the Bible after the first Easter morning. There is a richer and fuller 6G gospel which we must proclaim. God in Christ has come and He will come again to consummate His salvation and He will return to live among us in a new heavens and new earth. Emmanuel, God with us, will be everlasting. Christ will return in the glory of the Father to judge the living and the dead, to undo every wrong and to put all things right. God's kingdom comes. God's will is done on earth as in heaven. Faith will become sight at last. And we shall gaze upon Him face to face in our resurrection new bodies. And at that moment, we shall offer perfect worship, adoration and service to the Father through the mediation of the Son and prompted by the Holy Spirit. We shall at last be true image bearers of the triune God. God's future dwelling place will be a garden city, the new Jerusalem, with streets paved with gold. The waters from the river of life shall flow from the throne of God through the center of the city, and the tree of life will be growing on either side. And there will be no restricted access to it anymore. And the leaves of the tree of life will be for the healing of the nations, global healing and reconciliation and will occur between nations and within nature. The generosity and prodigality of God's regenerative spirit will be poured out across all of creation, making all things new and God's peace will reign. And lastly, gone. Gone will be the causes of fears, tears, or mourning. Evil, wickedness, and death will be no more. And God's love will be all in all. This is the good news which we have been entrusted with 
and which we are sent out to spread. To salt the earth with God's goodness and to light up the world with the greatness of His amazing love and complete salvation. Brothers and sisters, will you bring this 6G message to your world, not just this Christmas, but all your remaining days? When deep darkness, discord, death, disappointments and despair engulf our world, and ominous clouds threaten our very existence in this country and our future generations. When hopes are dashed to the ground and God seems so distant, so far away, even absent from the world. Hark! We hear the voices of angels singing. Listen! the sound of an infant cry. We look at the silhouette of a cross on a lonely hill outside Jerusalem and we stand before an empty tomb and hope rises again in our hearts for God is not dead. The Eternal One is alive, very much alive and He will come again to renew and restore all things and set all things right. So come, Lord Jesus. Let us pray. Our Father, we thank you for your great love for us. Help us to live lives that are holy and righteous, to do what is good, seeking justice not only for ourselves, but also for others. Help us to forgive one another because we are forgiven sinners. To offer mercy to all who offend us since everyone is made in your image and therefore worthy of your grace. Teach us to extend the gift of peace to everyone, to serve you with joy and in humility and grant us the hope that endures to the end as we look for your coming in glory to put all things right. Make us faithful in sowing the seeds of your gospel wherever you have placed us, that we might perfectly love you and worthily magnify your holy name. Through Christ our Lord we pray. Amen. <laughs>